I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. All right, welcome back to Inside Sources. Marty Carpenter sitting in today for Boyd Matheson, and uh, great to be with you. A lot of good stuff to talk about. we got the Georgia Senate runoff going on. That's what we talked about last segment, and I uh, want to turn our attention to other matters now, including one, uh, a bill uh, making its way a little bit, <laughs> making its way-ish uh, through Congress. The lame duck congressional session is set to be a very busy one, and a new proposal for a bill could bring the parties together to get something done before Republicans take control of the House next session. Uh, Senators Kirsten Sinema and uh, Tom Tillis, Sinema's a Democrat, Tillis a Republican from North Carolina, Sinema uh, from Arizona, uh, they've put together a proposal uh, for an immigration bill, which right there, it's one of those third rail type of things. Immigration bills don't tend to make a whole lot of progress because both parties are so divided on this. But this particular bill could provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, uh, and provide some extra security measures, which is what the GOP likes. So what does this proposal look like in a little more detail, and what changes could it undergo on its path to a vote? And what effect could this bill have on our immigration system? We have joining us now Caroline Coudrier. She's a reporter with Roll Call covering immigration policy. Caroline, thanks so much for being with us uh, this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so what is in this proposal put forward by these two senators? Is it as simple as saying dreamers get legalization in some form and we get extra security measures? Is that the most simplified version? I would say that sums it up pretty well. Um, I want to stress that this is very much a draft proposal. Um, there's not a bill text yet. Things could certainly change in the days and weeks ahead. But um, as, as it stands now, the proposal aims to provide citizenship to roughly 2 million dreamers who currently face uncertainty because of court challenges against the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, um, while also increasing border security through measures like a potential extension of Title 42, um, that's the public health directive that has been used for more than two years to expel migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border and other things like more detention beds or potentially more immigration judges. So one of the terms that I think will make uh, a, an audience uh, have their ears kind of perk up is when you start to say legalization of undocumented immigrants. Um I think it's important to draw sort of a distinction, and maybe you can help me understand what's in the draft legislation or at least what's in the proposed draft legislation, if that's where we are in the process. There's a difference here between legalization, meaning it's legal for them to be here, and and naturalization, giving them citizenship. Where are we on that spectrum as this discussion moves forward? So the aim here is that these dreamers who, you know, they're undocumented immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as kids. Um, They didn't choose to come here. Their parents brought them here and who have been living in the U.S. for um, more than a decade. Um, The object is for them to be able to eventually get citizenship. Um, And so that would be a a bit of a step above the DACA program, um, which currently just provides legal status. You renew it every every couple of years. Um, This is a full path of citizenship um, is what Democrats are pushing for here. Yeah. Thinking about uh, the folks who fall into that category, uh, who are the dreamers, uh, as they've been called, um, 
you, you, you get some kind of headline like this, like, hey, there's some kind of proposal. There may be some kind of movement. You mentioned it's not even really draft legislation at this point, and the clock is ticking toward a holiday break and, and the end of the lame duck session before we have uh, the GOP take over the House. Uh, to, to what extent do you think that this is them being used as sort of a, a political pawn? And I, I just I wonder about how those who either fit into that category or who uh, greatly sympathize with people in that category, if if they're just sort of having their emotions built up to for something that, that faces a real steep climb to, to become reality by the end of the lame duck session. I think you're absolutely right that it is a very steep climb. Um, any bill would require 10 Republican votes, assuming that every Democrat votes along alongside Republicans. Um, you know, a bill needs 60 votes in the Senate to pass. Um, and I think it definitely will be an uphill climb. Um, Republicans have not been super interested in embracing um, any sort of legalization while border crossings are historically high as they have been for the past year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance that this proposal does not go through. Um, but at the same time, um, immigrant advocates are encouraged by the fact that you have a Republican and a Democrat um, speaking and, and negotiating seriously at this stage um, with only a few weeks left. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Just looking at sort of how the deal would balance out, um, legalization for two million dreamers is a pretty good get for Democrats. Um, on the right, if what they're looking for are advanced, uh, enhanced border security, can you give us a little more detail on what that would include? I think you know, sort of the Section Forty Two thing is a, a little tough for a lot of folks to process. Um, or, a bit down in the weeds. So, what exactly are Republicans getting there? Yes. Um, so under, under this proposal, Republicans would be getting potentially a one-year extension of Title 42. Um, that is the public health directive. Um, it's, it's a health-related law, but um, it's been used since March 2020 to turn away migrants at the border without considering their asylum claims. Um, it's done a lot towards sort of um, reducing um, the immigration processing that has to take place within the U.S. Um, and so Republicans are supportive of it as a way to reduce pressure on Border Patrol agents who are handling these migration increases. Um, and so extending that for a year um, when currently the Biden administration faces a December 21st deadline to wind that program down would be a pretty significant win for Republicans who want to see um, a, a calmer and less strained situation at the border. Yeah. I mentioned the ticking clock, and uh, it's not just a ticking clock. It's a ticking clock with a lot of things that Congress is trying to accomplish before they get to a holiday break. Um, how does this kind of fit into you know, a, a large 
spending bill that's trying to get passed and all the other things that that uh, Congress is trying to get done. Maybe give our audience an idea of everything that's on the plate and, and where this ranks and in, in its likelihood to actually move forward before the deadline. Yes, there is a lot on Congress's plate um, as we look towards the last couple of weeks of December. Um, they face a government funding deadline of December 16th to avoid a government shutdown. Um, right now, it's looking like they'll probably at least do a week-long continuing resolution to keep the government open while they get to a larger spending agreement. Um, and in all likelihood, if they do agree on an immigration deal, it would be wrapped into that larger omnibus spending bill rather than moving on its own, um, just because when timing gets tight, um, lots of bills sort of get attached onto that bigger um, spending agreement rather than moving through on their own. Um, other things that Congress is trying to get done these last couple of weeks include the um, Fiscal 2023 Defense Policy Bill, um, NDAA. Um, they're also trying to do same-sex marriage protections in the House. Um, so they definitely have a pretty packed to-do list. Um, and that's a source of pressure for sure on some of these immigration negotiators um, looking at this tight timeline. Yeah. Uh, Caroline Caudrier is a reporter for Roll Call covering immigration policy. Caroline, thanks for being with us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Immigration is a very challenging issue because we have had a broken immigration system in our country for decades and that is part of what's leading up to this type of uh, this type of policy trying to be made you have people who are here who came here as part of a broken system and made the choice to do that uh, you have people who like the dreamers were brought here by folks who came in to the country without the proper documentation under a system that isn't functioning all that well and you know, rightfully on the right, you do want to have some border security. We are seeing the definite impacts of a lack of border security, particularly along the southern border of the United States. And on the left, I think you're seeing people who rightfully are saying, hey, look at these folks who really did nothing wrong of their own accord, right? They're within their own free will. They did not make a decision to break the law of a country. As we fix this, how do we find a way for them to get into a position where they can continue to build the lives that were that were started for them here in the United States and go on to be an asset to the country. It's a very complex issue and one that requires uh, the ability to sit down and reason and look at what the other side is really trying to accomplish and look at what is really best not only for our country but for the people who have um, had to fit within the system that we've had in place uh, for so many years. And you know this goes back to something – that we have worked to address in Utah uh, and lay out principles on going back uh, 11 years to 12 years now to the signing of the Utah Compact in November of 2010, outlining principles that should guide the discussion uh, on immigration policy. And first and foremost, of course, that it is a federal policy. It is a policy between the United States and other countries, not Utah and other countries, but also one that should be um, filled with compassion for those um, who are in a, a, at the very least, I think you'd have to admit a tricky spot, a difficult spot uh, based on the situation that we've been in. Interesting discussion. We're uh, grateful for Caroline Coudrier being with us uh, from Roll Call. Uh, coming up on Inside Sources, we look at what can be learned from the British recession and all they're going through across the pond and how we can prevent the same type of problems happening here in the United States and in Utah. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. 
I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.